food laboratory in the basement of his home. Hey everyone, it's John from CEO Raider. I want to talk about an article that was written in the in the journal today about GE and how the executive team didn't notify the board until this month about an extra jet that it had on on the ready for former CEO Jeff Emoth. So I want to I want to read the article and then I wrote a post about it and I'll kind of give you my thoughts about the the post. So let's just get into it. So this is from the Wall Street Journal. General Electric executives did not notify the company's board until this month about its regular flying of a spare business jet for its CEO and it didn't tell directors that GE had received an internal complaint about this practice several years ago according to people familiar with the matter. GE management first informed the board about the practice after the Wall Street Journal reported October 18th that former chairman and CEO Jeff Emalt had an extra aircraft follow his corporate jet on some overseas trips during much of his 16-year tenure, the people said. The company told GE's directors the company had reduced the practice in mid-2014 and that the continued use of the backup of the backup plane was limited to isolated situations such as travel to risky destinations. The board members were previously unaware, the people said, and some were dismayed to learn of the practice. Obviously, this was an excess, one of those people said. Mr. Emal told the journal on Thursday that he too didn't know the spare plane was flying. This is not a practice I would have allowed, he said in an email statement. Mr. Emal stepped down as GE chairman in early October after earlier resigning as CEO. The practice came to an end when Mr. Emal's successor, John Flannery, decided to ground the company's fleet of corporate aircraft as part of broader cost cutting moves. Mr. Flannery plans to sell the aircraft and change policy so GE executives would instead fly on commercial or charter flights. The two plane trips continued until at least this past spring according to people familiar with the matter and flight records. They flew in years when the Boston-based giant was under investor pressure to cut spending and boost profits, part of an effort to reverse a prolonged stock slump. GE shares have tumbled more than 33% this year. I'm kind of done with the article. So let me let me give you my takeaway. At the end of the day, the absolute dollar cost of a corporate jet is it's de minimis at a, at a company like GE. So the, the fact that they, they hid the jet, the execs hid the, the operation of this jet from the board speaks to sort of a cultural political divide at, at GE. And it's just better to be in the open with this stuff. If you're driving operating performance, financial performance, stock performance consistently over time, then you could have your jet or jets. It would not be a big deal. It's just the fact that this company has continued to underperform over time where you know, disclosure of a of an extra jet becomes becomes a, a brouhaha. So what I what I talked about in my post was you know, at the end of the day, performance is what matters. And when I when I think about performance, I think about operating performance slash financial performance. So you know how our revenue is performing versus whatever benchmark we're measuring against. How how is profitability performing? And this is by business unit as well as obviously across the company, but by business unit. And within each business unit, you know, hopefully at the supervisor level, the manager level, the VP level, the SVP level, the MD and GMs of the various businesses, hopefully people are establishing stretch targets. And sometimes you hit your stretch target, sometimes you miss it. It's one thing to provide sandbagged guidance to Wall Street. You know, public companies disclose quote unquote guidance if you're not familiar with the practice. And rarely do companies miss that guidance because the numbers are typically sandbagged. But internally, you have a different set of numbers. And if you're a well run company, hopefully those numbers are stretched numbers. You can't play a game where people are always publishing sandbag numbers, making their numbers, blowing out their numbers, and paying themselves, you know, big bonuses.
you know, if they're constantly blowing out numbers and those numbers uh, make them best in class in their respective industry, you know, if the revenue and, and profitability performance is, if they're outperforming the, the benchmark and, and doing so substantially, then I'm all in favor of, you know, paying themselves handsomely. But if you have a company that sort of has, uh, let's just say, lacks financial targets and they consistently meet or beat them, well, you know, that's not that's not really saying a lot. I've been critical of executive compensation in the past. I think it, it, it has gotten a little bit better in that, you know, if you read the, the comp plans for public companies anyways, because they're, they're disclosed, um, it was typically a revenue target, target uh, an EBITDA target, uh, some metric in there for stock performance versus the... The, the benchmark where my beef is with executive comp and, and it's it's defining the peer group because the, the companies largely create the the peer group and I'm of the belief that you should always have for example if you're in a slow growth sector of the software market shouldn't you aspire to something greater that's my beef with peer groups the fact that they're very they're often tightly defined and it's in it's limited to our discrete market and oftentimes is not like a, a, a stretch target in there there's not i don't know that i'm articulating myself well but i feel like executives teams sometimes limit themselves by defining a, a limited peer group and then just the other thing that i mentioned in my in my post was that every employee from the ceo on down who contributed to outperformance should be handsomely rewarded and that that is why accountability matters because if, if you don't have if you don't hold people's feet to the fire for meeting targets and this goes all the way down to the people on the, uh, at, the, at the front line level, it becomes difficult to reward people with variable compensation. And what happens is if you can't tie specific performance, and look, it's not an exact science. This stuff is hard. You've got to just try as, as best you can. But you try as best you can to uh, tie a financial outcome, an operating outcome, tie output to an individual's performance. And then it makes it easier to tie variable compensation to that individual as opposed to one size fits all bonuses we had a blow here it's difficult to you know distinguish what your contribution was so we're giving everybody you know in this division x x dollars of variable comp come bonus time when if you could say hey uh jane really was responsible for 80 percent of the outperformance we'll give jane 80 percent of the variable comp Instead of just paying everybody some fixed amount and then the CEO some 5x fixed amount number, you know, try to try to install some rigor into not only the executive compensation process but into the variable compensation process. That's sort of the takeaway. That the GE executive plane is sort of a, a non-issue. It's a red herring that speaks to the real issue, which is alignment between the executive team and the board, and then just more generally accountability in rewarding those who are accountable. See you all next time.